Hello, you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is Father Toby with your word for today on this uh, memorial of St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, let's begin by reading today's gospel, which is taken from Luke chapter 9. Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staff nor haverstack, nor bread nor money, and let none of you take a spare tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and when you leave, let it be from there. As for those who do not welcome you, when you leave their town, shake the dust from your feet as a sign to them. So they set out, and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Now, I have to confess, when I uh, read this gospel, I normally find it pretty chastening, um, particularly when I think about how much I pack when I go away. Um, but fortunately, I had the recently the privilege of uh, of going away to baptize a baby of a of a parishioner from the the parish here, but they wanted to have the baptism back in the uh, sort of family parish in in Milan and uh, they very kindly paid for me to come out there and do the baptism and when they booked me flights they only booked me with uh, the sort of smallest uh, hand baggage option hand baggage that fits under your seat and I was there for four days Um, and so then I felt quite good about the fact that I traveled for four days with what could fit under a seat compared with what I would have probably traveled with had I been able to take whatever I wanted Um, But that's just a side about me traveling. But what I want to talk today is about St. Vincent de Paul, an amazing saint. And there's a wonderful line in the Rudyard Kipling poem, If, which I think is an an embodiment of what St. Vincent de Paul was about. That line is, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. Um, I think we've also got a, a sort of a more modern version of that in a slightly less profound uh, lyricist, uh, namely J-Lo, who uh, in one of her songs writes, Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still Jenny from the block. Um, but in any event, you take your pick between uh, Kipling or uh, J-Lo, whichever you prefer. Um, I won't judge you. But St. Vincent, he didn't start this way. Um, like us, he was not born the finished article. Um, he didn't easily sort of mix in both crowds, but God's grace and his unfolding yes eventually brought about great humility and great love. He was born in Gascony in the south of France in around 1580, one of six children into a peasant family. And with his father's encouragement, he decided to become a priest. But among his chief reasons for becoming a priest was his desire to get a high office in the church from which he could obtain enough money to retire early, return home and provide for his family. Not a terrible motivation to do well in order to provide for your family, but a tragic corruption of the priesthood to intend to use this as the means of doing so. And, no doubt through divine providence, his early hopes for advancement came to nothing. He had two trips to Rome, the promises of a bishopric, and money from a will. And in 1608, he moved to Paris, where he came under the influence of uh, Father Pierre de Berulle, 
who would later become a cardinal and who he took as his spiritual director, and also Father André Duval, a professor of the Sorbonne, who was to be his uh, wise man for the next three decades. And these uh, encounters and these relationships marked a turning point in Vincent's spiritual journey. Ambition was receding, and attention to God and vocation were advancing. And in this, I, I started to think about a, a lot of the, the reading I've been doing on the Inklings later, and how important for Inklings the idea of mentorship was. Um, and it's a great reflection on the success of mentorship in the, in the Inklings that many actually of those who were, who were mentees of the Inklings went on to, uh, to become Inklings themselves and to uh, contribute uh, great sort of uh, works of, 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 of literature and scholarship. And we might think in our own lives about actively seeking to identify somebody who I could, uh, who I could mentor and help realize the, the gifts that God has given them. And a pretty uh, important uh, event happened during this time in Paris, which showed the, the changing of Vincent's character. He was accused of theft by his roommate, um, and he didn't uh, defend himself. He wasn't so concerned now with his sort of self-advancement and what an accusation of theft might do to him. Um, and actually, the, the real thief would only confess years later. In 1612, he was named pastor of uh, Samadar in Clichy, a poor rural parish just northwest of Paris. And as pastor there, he began to experience the priesthood in a way previously unknown to him. And he told his bishop that he was happier than the bishop himself and even the pope. However, in less than a year, uh, Cardinal, well, not then Cardinal Buru, recalled him to Paris to become chaplain to the Gondi family and tutor to their children, who'd gone from a very poor parish to now chaplain to a wealthy family. And it was in January of 1617 when Vincent was on the Gondi estates in Picardy and heard the confession of a dying man who told Madame de Gondi that he would have been damned without Vincent's ministry. And she urged Vincent to preach a sermon on general confessions which produced such a response that other priests had to be called to help hear all the confessions. And Vincent became very conscious now that the poor were not being evangelized or helped materially. And so he felt called to a more pastoral ministry. And with Barul's help, he became the parish priest in uh, Châtillon les Dômes in the southeast of France, where he helped his fellow priests to uh, lead a more faithful way of life as well as ministering to and teaching the people. And it was in August 1617, as he was preparing for Sunday Mass, that a parishioner brought news of the illness and destitution of an entire family in the parish. And Vincent preached on their need, and that afternoon the people responded in overwhelming numbers by carrying them food and supplies. And Vincent then called, um, heartened by this response, a meeting of interested women and urged them to put order into their generosity by taking turns. And with rules drawn up by Vincent, they established a group which became the first confraternity of charity. However, by December 1617, Madame de Gondi prevailed in her request that Vincent return to their family by giving him freedom to preach missions in various towns and villages roundabout. 
and in 1619, at the urging of Monsieur de Gondi, King Louis XIII appointed Vincent chaplain general of the galleys with responsibility for the spiritual well-being of all the galley convicts of France. During this period, Vincent experienced a twofold conversion. First, he was being converted to the poor who were becoming the centre of his life. And second, he was also being converted to his priesthood, seeing it not so much as a career, but now as an intimate form of personal relationship with Jesus. However, his conversion doesn't seem to rest on one dramatic moment, as we sometimes think of conversions. Uh, Rather, it was a sort of a gradual opening that was going on in him, an opening up to the, the power of God's grace working in him and allowing him to see the world more clearly in the light of Christ. And then toward the end of 1618, the Bishop of Geneva, another name which will be known well to you, St. Francis de Sales, arrived in Paris and inspired Vincent with the power of his humility and gentleness. And we know that Vincent reflected, How good you must be, my God, if Francis de Sales, your creature, is so gentle and lovable. What a wonderful thing to see the goodness of God through seeing the goodness of another person. Now, Vincent's disposition was naturally moody and melancholy, but he now decided that he could not simply stay that way. And so he went to Soissons to make a retreat and implored with God to help him change. And his prayer was answered, not immediately, but gradually, as he came to understand the direction his priesthood should go and the beauty of serving others. And it's this beauty of serving others that I just want to finish with a word on. Because too often we can see the poor as a problem to be solved. Now there is nothing wrong with wanting to address the material realities of poverty and its causes. I have several friends who work and do fantastic work doing just this. But we have to be wary of the motivation that wants to help the poor so as to be free of them to get on with my own life, to no longer be inconvenienced by the crying out of the poor, to no longer be made to feel guilty about what I've got because of what they do not have. Rather, the poor are an opportunity to serve Christ, not just a bundle of material needs, but people to be known and to be loved. Too often we can prefer to give at a distance. Even the word charity has actually now got corrupted. Charity, as St. Thomas Aquinas means, it means a, an intimate relationship. He defines charity as friendship with God and then loving others as God sees them. But when we think of charity now, I think too often we think of the impersonal giving, which sees the need of some people far away from me and gives to an organization which then helps them. And there is good in giving in conventional charity. But we can't just give at a distance, never getting our hands messy, never risking to getting to know the poor better. Sometimes we see this as a risk because if we actually get involved intimately in the life of a person, we're worried about ties that bind, worried that knowing this person and them knowing me might create a claim upon me in the future that I can't just give them a few quid and get on with life. But... I think if we will not be claimed by the poor, 
then neither will Christ claim us. And he will not be able to say at the end of our lives to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in my master's joy. Let's now listen to uh, Jesus Promises His Kingdom by poor Bishop Hooper. If you claim to be a climb down from this tree, kill the men at your feet and save yourself. But the other said, Have you no fear? This is God whom you speak. The one of us three who hangs undeserved. For our sins made us black. By our sins we were cast. Can you see this man is white as driven snow? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your tell you this very day you will be with me in my holy place in paradise in paradise forever Invited to our Worldwide Rosary on Saturday, the 7th of October at the Rosary Shrine in London. Our dear volunteer Jason would like to share what the Rosary means to him. I remember when I was first prompted by God to pray the Rosary, it was a few years ago when I was uh, suffering from serious illness. Uh, and I was pretty panicky at night uh, and I was prompted to pray the rosary. After praying the rosary, I calmed right down as if almost the spiritual attack had been fought off by the rosary. Please do join us on Saturday the 7th of October at 3pm for the Worldwide Rosary and pray with all the nations. Register on the website at radiomariaengland.uk 
We look forward to seeing you there. Radio Maria England, a Christian voice in your home.